0: well welcome back ladies and gentlemen to episode 81 killing it still killing it this year uh, welcome. excuse me
1: nothing carry on
0: excuse me <laughs>
1: get to our really exciting guests we don't we they don't want to listen to us fight tonight we don't need to waste a single second <laughs> of us bantering
0: fair enough tonight we have a very interesting podcast um we have a husband and wife who are ex-Mormons who grew up in a, I'm assuming, somewhat strict, Mm -hmm. yeah, somewhat strict (laughs) households uh, growing up in that religion. I don't know a ton about that religion. I don't think mid-school knows a lot about that religion, but...
1: Definitely not, and
2: go ahead.
0: I think we're going to get a really interesting education tonight and or today whatever time it is you're watching this um and they also when they decided to leave they also decided to pursue somewhat of an alternative lifestyle in some aspects but you'll have to stick around till the end to hear all about that <laughs> so without further ado
1: jorgen and sasha
0: For having us,
1: (laughs) yes, thank you for coming on.
0: (laughs) I think we should, I think it's worth noting that this is the first time the four of us have all met. Yeah, um, they are not followers of the YFB thing, so this is all (laughs) like it's a kind of a different aspect for you know a guest that I'm having on, so and I think that lends to like. You know, it kind of sets the stage for how this is going to go. Um, so I would really like to hand the floor over to you two to kind of just jump on in. Tell us your story. I'm fascinated by this. Can, show.
1: can I go can ahead. I sorry, I don't want to like jump in, but I will say like they have a great story to tell. But yeah. I personally needed some background before I felt like I could totally understand this story. So if you guys are willing, could you give a quick crash course in Mormonism for our fellow listeners out there that are like me that as until last night knew absolutely nothing about um, this religion? Yeah. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> so, uh, if it gives any clout to what I'm about to say, from uh, 2003 to 2005, I lived off the no- northeast coast of Brazil as a Mormon missionary, oh, wow. white wow. shirt, gag, and, and everything. So, um,
0: they got bikes and I think it, Say what? They got bikes. No bikes. No bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's a Mormon without a bike? Fuck. What? I know. Right? I,
2: know.
3: <laughs> I had my book of Mormon, that's all I needed. <laughs> that in well, I think it I think it goes without noting if you talk to any uh, typical Mormon today, they're going to correct you when you use the term Mormon.
2: Mm. Uh,
3: a few years ago, the new prophet of the church, Rusty Nelson, <laughs> <I'm> calling
0: it. name's Russell, That
3: sounds
0: actually... like a Canadian sex position, by the way.
2: <laughs> Get a I'm Rusty a Nelson. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. It
1: sounds like a wrestling move. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so the
2: first
3: thing they're going to do is they're going to correct you and and I and I only say this because I want people to really understand what church we're talking about (laughs) and when you get corrected by the members you'll understand why when you call them mormons so the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints Mm -hmm. uh early 18 like eighteen twenty, this 14 year old kid is like the way the Mormon Church depicts it is—he's like conflicted about which church to join, and he wanders into the forest and prays to God, and God visits him, and Jesus Christ visits him, and he say all the churches are wrong. You should create this one. Along that way, <laughs> 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 right? we'll to take in.
2: <laughs>
3: Wait, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> so,
3: along the way, this this angel visits him and says it's pretty serendipitous that I have this uh, secret book of golden plates buried mm-hmm. just a few miles from your home that has this ancient translation of those people that lived in the Americas. Oh, and by the way, Jesus Christ visited them. you are going to translate this book of gold plates, and that's essentially what how the Book of Mormon came out
4: to wow. be. That's the belief yeah. of
3: the Mormon church mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Yeah. I think the thing that makes Mormonism unique, I don't know necessarily unique, but I would definitely say manipulative, and I say that from a, a very personal perspective. Is mm-hmm. is the 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 allure to join Mormonism is not like, "Hey, you should believe my story." The allure to Mormonism is, "Hey, here's this book. You should read it. You should ponder it in your heart," quote unquote, and then pray to God, and God will show you that this book is true. And if this book is true then therefore Joseph Smith was a prophet, and therefore you should follow the prophets on the earth today. So the thing that I think Mormonism is so challenging as a religion is, is that they're pitting you against your own emotions, about your own ability to perceive what one would deem uh, divine intervention. From a very early age, that shit, sort, that, that shit rang true within me now. I was raised by a narcissistic father. And if you talk to someone who's like, like, uh, who knows anything about therapy and empaths, like, yeah, you're going to be fucking susceptible to that shit. And I was. And so from a very early age, I believed, I felt that God was talking to me. Um, Really, I was just a highly sensitive kid. Um, So that's the essence of Mormonism. It's not that, that the proof is anywhere, but found within yourself. That's what makes Mormonism such an, an interesting That is very manipulative. It's yeah. extraordinary and manipulative. That is, uh, yeah. and, and that's how people often get introduced to the church. And even as missionaries, they tell you, you know, seek out people that are going through hard times in their life, people mm-hmm. that have moved, people mm-hmm. that have recently had a death, someone they've got something wow. challenging going on in their life. You're going to show up and you're going to be sent from God to present to them this thing and God will show them that it's true. Wow. And that just opens the whole can of worms to so, a lot of yeah. service. And-
1: I was going to say it's targeting vulnerable people the same way that he targets vulnerable people to try
3: and turn <laughs> them into subs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One of those options sounds a little bit more enjoyable.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, it sounds more like they're praying on people instead of praying <laughs> with people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you can tell Rusty Hammer or whatever his name was <laughs> that fucked up the selling point. Because for me, if somebody knocked on my door and was like, polygamy, I'd be like, hey, I'll listen. i listen. Come on in, guys. Bring the Bible, <laughs> whatever. I got a Bible too.
3: You know, I, I, I just want to shout out so there's another podcast out there called Mormon Stories. Oh, wow. It uh, played a huge role in my understanding the actual written history of the church. And played an important role in the evolution of of how I saw the church. And um, Mm -hmm. you want to know more about uh, Mormon Mormonism and the church? That's a fantastic place to start. Mormon story podcast with John. If I'm allowed to shout that out, yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You're
1: allowed to shout whatever you want to shout out. (laughs) Um, So along the lines of manipulation and the allure that they use, like, is there not and Please, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is, like, my five hours of research that I've done, and you've lived your whole life, basically. <laughs> Damn near in this. Um, but, like, was, is there not also an attempt to draw in this, um, like, possibility to become a god one yep. day? Okay. Belief.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: All right. So that was, that, was, that, was that is true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
3: And I would add to that, the Mormons don't even really believe in hell, technically, that, that you've already earned an award by choosing to follow yeah. Jesus Christ in the pre-existence. And you're going to go to one of three degrees of glory, mm-hmm. you know, like bad people still get a good ending. And,
1: and then technically people, you guys would fall into the like, it starts so with like, a T. Celestial kingdom. Yeah, oh, celestial oh. kingdom, not the,
3: the telestial. celestial. Yeah. So, oh, now we. yes, we're definitely.
1: Now you're in the celestial, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I. Yes.
0: Got I got you. you got what got you're it. saying. <laughs> I have no idea. You know where those discussions going. <laughs> so
3: the, the celestial kingdom is reserved for those who have. Gone through Mormonism, made all the appropriate what we call covenants, and we can talk about that, and have learned all the secret handshakes and passphrases and got beyond the angels to get into heaven. And um,
4: those are all performed in, in temple.
3: Or, we, can and, talk, in temple yeah, we can talk about the, the temples, temple. We can talk about the temple. But it's, uh, there's a lot more to Mormonism than, than what you'll see on the outside. And the only way you'll yeah. know is by um, getting into it. I'm going to shout out a guy named New Name Noah on youtube you want to see what happens inside those mormon temples go to his youtube channel new name noah and you can see all the secret rituals and handshakes and the clothes they wear and um, wait
1: i thought that that was like a you'll never know what happens no no. like
4: nowadays nowadays Mm -hmm. it's it's easier to find all that up Wow. yeah
3: also, yeah. check out Exmo TikTok. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's crazy.
4: <laughs>
1: Very
2: entertaining. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So much. laughs>
1: All right. I have. I, I should have. I should have uh, hit you guys up for my research resources rather than just <laughs> shots in the dark that I was making last night. <laughs> right. Oh
2: gosh,
3: I, I would. Yes. I would say that some of the major tenets, the mm-hmm. underlying tenets of the Mormon faith, are um, obedience and worthiness.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, your worthiness. And your actions are directly tied to your ability to receive inspiration, revelation, protection from the Holy Ghost. And that worthiness is all predicated on obedience. So those are things that are drilled into you from a very early age. Um, you know, every So we go to church on Sundays. It used to be three hours. You'd spend three hours at church every Sunday. That's now recently changed to two because of the pandemic. Every <laughs> Monday morning. Yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> weren't coming back to church, so yeah. like, we gotta do something. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> Every Monday night is dedicated is a is called family home evening. Mm-hmm. You um, Monday nights are for you and your family. You have sort of this little sermon presented by someone in the family. You sing. You you make green jello. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, and is that you what
1: know. your mm-hmm. is that what your childhood would look like growing up?
0: Mm-hmm. Every, Every Monday, Monday night, we mm-hmm. both had yeah. family. We came from very faithful families. Yeah. Okay. So I would say, so they were like hardline.
3: hard line. Yeah. yeah.
4: They're very black and white. Yeah.
3: You, 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 we, you weren't allowed to go to.
4: Oh, so, um, growing up, I played sports and, um, I mean, we did grow up in Utah and so my coach, he got it. Like he was Mormon himself, but he was not as strict as my parents and things were, but, Um, we were coming close to like the state tournament and they, they wanted to do extra practices and some of them landed on Monday nights and my dad wouldn't let me go to them because they were on Monday nights, even though like we were, you know, preparing for the state tournament and everything. So like, yeah, it was that serious to where he was like begging me. He's like, are you sure? Please go talk to your dad. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like you, like so. He even personally tried to go and talk to him, and he was like, "No, it's it's a sacred night for us. Like we we have family we mean." So,
0: did you guys lose yeah. because of that?
4: I probably, <laughs> I probably did. I remember we made it was like we got like third that year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jesus, yeah. let you down like that.
2: I like, know, <laughs> <I'm> like yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, so, anyways, so i i would i would add to this that there's sort of this progression from the time you're very early on all the way up until you're you're ready to get married at the age of 21
4: <laughs> <For> Michelle, <Adam.
3: laughs> but um you go through this sort of rite of passage you know by age eight it's in mormon uh, belief that you are accountable for your actions by age eight mm-hmm. And that you can be baptized. That's when you get baptized, and that it is your choice to get baptized at age eight. It's at that age you start paying ten percent of all your income to the church,
4: ten mm-hmm. percent tithing. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> at age Twelve. Yeah. Where does that money
4: go?
0: <laughs> oh, have you not seen their oh, temples? Have you seen their
4: temples? Oh my oh. god!
0: Gold <laughs> million dollar buildings. I was gonna say, there's one. I'm from DC originally, and there's oh, that's one. Yes,
4: that that's the big me. one, right? Yep. Yeah. And we lose back
0: east. That was our temple. Yep. It has been rumored for years that that motherfucking statue up there is solid gold. Yeah. They're, they're gold. Mm-hmm. Yep. They are. And yeah. this thing is fucking it looks like Disney World. Yeah. With with a with a dude on top of that motherfucker that is gold. And <laughs> if I knew how to steal it, I would have done
2: it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: There's, so when I true. was a kid, I remember there was like 130 of those buildings all over the world. There probably yeah, there's probably dozens more by yeah, right now, more. and each wow. one of them is a million dollar. I mean,
4: many, many.
3: It just came out that the Mormon Church has 150 billion dollars in investments.
4: Jesus,
0: like it's a fucking. all religions, all religions are just such oh, a absolutely. fucking yeah. scam.
4: Me, so, <laughs> we, were, we were so young and so you know going in school, and we had so poor, and we were still giving. We were, making,
3: we we're making less than $15,000 a year, yeah. giving 15, expected 15, to get 15, 10% of 10%, our yeah. uh, income. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Those, uh, Most so,
0: religions, Catholics are like, that is, uh, I'm, I want to say it might even be higher for Catholics. If you yeah, want to get into so. that temple, yeah.
3: if you want to get into that temple, you have, you have to. to pay your tithing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So, is the community like? I'm assuming you said you both grew up in Utah, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Is the
0: community so small that like the two of you? How like have you guys known each other for fucking ever? No, there's a fuck ton of Mormons there's in a Utah. Ton. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right,
2: fair. <laughs> we
3: do have we do have an interesting tie though. In yeah. that, um My aunt mm-hmm. was her youth leader growing up, and that's actually how we sort of got connected was through my aunt. Mm-hmm. right on so mm-hmm. this wasn't arranged no, no,
4: it, was me <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like I guess well she was uh, how about like, conditioned there you go
3: there you go
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you know yeah mm. I mean I don't know how much you wanna yeah. she had brought up my height and she was like I have a really tall nephew that I want to to introduce you to and I was
3: like okay cool whatever and every time I went to a family party she's like I know this really cute
0: tall yeah. girl
4: yeah <laughs> But you know, kind of brought us together was her. But
0: yeah, hmm. I was gonna make a fucking joke about that shit,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I refrained. I was. I know. I know.
2: <laughs> I know. So did it? the
0: community just look around the church and see the two tallest motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs>
2: all
0: gonna go together. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh,
3: so so go ahead. As I say when you turn 12 you begin getting yearly bishops interviews mm-hmm. the bishop is the leader is the regional leader of what we call the ward the ward is like this geographical distribution of members that all go to church together at the same time okay. so you have a bishop and by the age of 12 you're meeting this with, with this individual yearly so he can evaluate your worthiness through a bishops
1: alone word. do your parents come to this meeting at the time,
3: mm-hmm. at the time they were mm-hmm. alone. Um, it's now changed where your parents can sit it into can it, but okay. he'll ask you about your worthiness. I was being asked about masturbation and pornography when I was 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you, are you honest? I, and you know, I was, I was, there was a, yeah. there was a lot of shame and a lot of suffering as a result of trying and want, like I said, I was, I was easily manipulated by this stuff and, and carried yeah. a lot of heavy guilt for a lot of years. But, you know, I mean, I'm determined now and case I can get a lot of shit done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do this,
3: like, ultra high functioning, like. I'm not do hard things, if you know what I'm
2: saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't, but we do. But
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, for real though, from, from 12 all the way till 18, you are having years, yearly meetings with this leader who allegedly has this ability to receive inspiration from God, to know if you're telling the truth to, you know, he can tell you what's right and wrong in your life and what's best for you as the decisions you make. Like it's, it's a shit show. And that's the environment we were raised in. Both of our parents were bishops at, at mm-hmm. one both point in time. Fathers, both of yeah. Our, yeah. Both of our fathers were bishops at one point in time. So, um, you know, you're in that all the way through your youth, you begin a seminary program, your freshman year of, High school in Utah every every school every high school and middle school in Utah or junior high has a, a seminary building just off campus mm-hmm. and you go to seminary as a part of your regular curriculum all through high school we wow. both we both graduated from the Mormon Church's seminary program
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um by the time you turn it's now 18 but when i was younger it was 19 you it was expected that the mormon males would go on a mission and so there was no question in my family whether or not we were on a mission. My grandfather went on my mission, on a mission. All my uncles and my dad went on a mission. All the brothers in my family went on a mission. It's just sort of this like rite of passage that you're from the time you're 19 to 21, you're going to go somewhere and, and pay your life's tithing, if you will. Mm-hmm. 10% of your life, you know. <laughs>
1: wow, that's heavy.
3: <laughs> did you that's spend all of that in Brazil? I did. Yep, I was uh, nice. 19. I got on the plane and flew to Sao Paulo. I got picked up by some people there and lived there for three months and studied Portuguese. After three months, I went up to the northeast coast, to the Salvador in the state of Bahia. Super fucking cool place. Rich in culture. Um, Man, for two years, I was walking the third world favelas of Brazil and... You know, I just come from ultra sheltered Utah where I'd never seen real breasts or <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> you know, like ultra ultra like like super to this mm-hmm. ultra hypersexual culture that today I see it as a super beautiful culture. But at the yeah. time it was like. These people
2: are wicked, <laughs> heathens everywhere.
4: Is like for these missions, you're supposed to save your own money for mm-hmm. a couple of years and would save his money. And so he saved up his money to be able to go on this mission. <sighs> I mean, so, my, my parents were pretty yeah, good they did, at paying they for did it, help, but that's help a, as, as well, an
0: expectation, like, you
4: pay for it. As an expectation, like you and your family are the ones who pay for these things. So, wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wish people could see my face through a like. <laughs> <laughs> know, right? My I mouth know. is just on the fucking floor for a lot of. This. <laughs> I know. I was raised Catholic. I went to ten of twelve years of Catholic school, mm-hmm. um, and you know they themselves are you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: not not a great cult or whatever the fuck you want to call it <laughs> but man like the amount of manipulation and and Gaslighting. Like just how invasive they are that it's fucking crazy would you guys describe it cult like because that's i hear a lot
3: absolutely absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. and um anyone that says it's not you know for years actually what what we can get into this but what started my demise was um i got tired of hearing people calling it a cult you know, Joe Rogan's podcast, you know, oh, they're the nicest people, but goddamn, that's a cult, you know? <laughs> like, and I, and I sort of got frustrated with hearing that. I'm like, no, you guys are just not understanding us correctly. Like we're good people, but I'd never really taken into consideration everything that happens in the temple and really m- made that link to say, yeah, it's pretty culty to put on these robes and stand in circles and chant phrases and learn secret handshakes and You know, you swear to never tell anyone this shit, and you swear that you'll you'll (laughs) give up all of your belongings to the Mormon church if they ask. You know, that's a fucking cult.
1: It it almost doesn't even sound real. Like, as you say these things, like, you've mentioned secret handshakes (laughs) multiple times. (laughs) And, like, it it, it just
3: almost doesn't even sound real to me. Yeah. I I, I would never reveal those things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. so how old were you when, when you started to kind of question those things? And was it the same time for each of you? Just
3: a no. few years ago.
1: Just a few years ago. Okay. And 25. Wow.
3: Yeah. wow. Mm-hmm.
1: And w- like, what did your, maybe we shouldn't get into this yet. Um, but was it mainly the, was it mainly hearing other people call it a cult that that spearheaded that and was was there anything else
3: oh absolutely oh, I mean, yeah. Actually, yeah i think as far as ex-mormons go i think uh, sasha here is pretty unique <laughs> and i'll let her tell her story but yeah. um, she was she was far ahead of me in regards to the deconstruction process and was very patient and gave me my time and space for me to figure out on my own but mm-hmm. she her I'll let her tell her story how's that
4: I'll tell you a little bit, kind of a little bit of background on my life. Um, so I was, um, I was born in Las Vegas and, um, while we were there, I have, I'm the three of seven. And so there's six girls and one boy. And, um, when we were living in Las Vegas, my parents, um, they had kind of, a crappy experience at elementary school. And so my dad was like, okay, um, he told my mom, you need to homeschool these kids. Like, this is not safe for them to be there. Like they're trying to corrupt their minds type of thing. And so, um, so my mom started homeschooling. So I was actually homeschooled up until, um, middle school. And, um, so that's kind of where, you know, it's part of the started. So I was homeschooled. I lived in Vegas until seven, eight, we moved to Utah. Um, both my parents went to BYU. They both met there and, um, got married there and about five years started having kids. Um, yeah, so it was, um, kind of a strict, um, upbringing. My dad was definitely one of those people who like, it was very black and white. It was like, obedience was definitely demanded. um, <laughs> And we talked about the whole family home evening thing, kind of a glimpse into that. And Sundays, absolutely like nothing could happen on Sundays. We couldn't even watch TV for a really long time. We, he got a little bit lenient on that. Like we can maybe watch church videos and things on Sundays, but um, very strict on that as well. Uh, my curfew, even up until I was in high school was like 930, 10 o'clock. I couldn't be past that time. That's when the Holy
3: Ghost goes to bed. Exactly. Yeah, that's when the
4: Holy Ghost goes to bed bed at that time. So um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I get to have sleepovers with my friends or anything like that. Um, So growing up, my dad was a bishop. Like what we talked about, what a bishop was, kind of like the leader of our little area that we um, lived in. So he was a bishop from like 12 to 17. So kind of through my youth, Um, it took up a lot of time away from family. He was gone. Except for Monday nights, he was there, but like all day Sunday, even though it was church, like he was gone in meetings all day long. Um, Tuesday nights, they would have interviews. Um, they had a thing called mutual where kids like ages 12 to 18, they would come together at the church on that and would, um, have different various activities that would talk about teaching of the gospel and things like that. Um, so that was kind of our week. And then um, Thursday again, more meetings. And then Friday, my parents would go to the temple. So it was very like oh gosh. church oriented. And
0: it um, <laughs> sounds like,
4: it. So yeah, usually, usually church oriented. My mom had a big leadership role too um, with the youth growing up too. So she was really busy as well, but um, just a small little glimpse. So I, um, I played both volleyball and basketball in high school and um, my mom was there quite often. There were very few games that she missed, but my dad was only, he only came to three of my games out of my whole like middle school and high school um, career, I oh, guess, because wow. he was so involved with church. That's he was, he was so busy with that. And so I had a good, I had a decent relationship with my mom. I could, I feel like I could be somewhat, um, I feel like I could be very open with her, but my dad, like it was only with him that we would go to when we were in trouble or, um, you know, there had to be some repercussions and some choices we made. Um, and then another thing about my dad that I'll tell you about, my dad was very, um, he was super driven on there being like a big doomsday. So like we had like Mm -hmm. an acre or two of land and we had this big barn and he was just, preparing for the day that okay. it, the shit was going to hit the fan and we needed to go up into the mountains to get ready so we could be prepared for, to see, you know, the second coming of Christ and 10 so, cities. Yeah. They call them 10 cities. And so like, we were preparing for all of that my, pretty much my whole life. So I basically, I felt like I lived in fear hugely on, um, you know, for when that day was going to come. And I feel
0: like a lot of religions are based around fear
4: absolutely uh-huh. yeah. absolutely so that was hugely how it was for me um growing up my parents were very strict on like what how we dressed we had to like have the sleeve the the shorts couldn't be very short and you know being a tall female like my legs look long anyways and so it was always like extra long shorts you know because it looked like I was showing too much leg um yeah so that's kind of a little snippet in all of it I'm trying to think of Oh, um, for those who know, my dad was very much into Denver snuffer. And if you know anything about Denver snuffer, he's this guy who, he was a part of the Mormon church, but he like took it to like the next level. And so it was like those who wanted to follow along and like felt like, oh, this next level, like this is where, you know, this is where it's at. So my dad, if for those who know, it's called, they call him snufferites. <laughs> he was following this like group who even like what <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know I don't know how they got labeled as a cult, like I know
2: right?
0: <laughs> I, I know my listeners heard snuff and they were like, huh? yeah, <laughs> so yeah, he
2: was
0: exactly. a guy who claimed that if he knew the steps that you did a b c d
3: e f yeah. and g, Jesus Christ would come visit you and your calling and election would be made sure meaning mm-hmm. that you are assured a, a sure place mm-hmm. in heaven mm-hmm. and um, he ended up getting excommunicated from the church. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to tell your story, but her dad did too,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and that's what started her mm-hmm. questioning.
4: Uh-huh. Well, I'll even I'm, I'll even backtrack a little bit because we don't. I don't really talk about like the sexual side, in my sexual experience, but in my childhood
1: yeah i was gonna i was gonna i was gonna ask because I mean I mean this is kind of a sex based podcast. So we're not gonna just totally gloss over the sex aspect uh, of this hold on. and yes, yes.
0: we are gonna get to the sex thing, i I have a quick question yes. real quick. So when your father was excommunicated, did yes. that make him leave the religion altogether, or was like did he just grab onto a different sect of it?
4: So when he left, he left the, like the LDS religion, but he kind of like grabbed onto the, the snuffer, Denver snuffer. He grabbed onto some of his teachings and which was, which was basically the church, but just kind of on, they took things in the, like in the book of Mormon, a little bit more literal. And so like in the LDS church, you only get baptized once, like when you're eight and like in the book of Mormon, well, they were baptized multiple times. So they would do baptisms, but they would do multiple times and their sacrament was with actual wine. Whereas like Mormons, you don't, you don't drink alcohol. They don't encourage tattoos. Like women's are only supposed to have one ear, one piercing in their ears. Like, so they have like kind of these rules. So it was kind of that, but it was like to another level, a little bit more stricter. More strict. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for a while, that's what he did. Now I'll tell you now he's like, he's not associated with any religion, but um, that's that's where he was at the time at all. Thank God if he's free
0: next week i'd love to have him on he would be a really interesting person he would be
4: really interesting yeah It it
0: sounds like it
4: yeah it really does
1: so so far like in the two of you guys talking about your childhood i feel like i've seen sasha say more or heard sasha say more about like an air of fear as opposed to Jorgen kind of emphasized this feeling of guilt. guilt. Do you think that that's accurate or can you touch on, you know, some of those sexual aspects for you as, as a, as a young teen um, where a lot of those feelings kind of centered around fear for you, or did you also have some aspects of guilt? Where does that fall for you?
4: So um, for me, um <laughs> A little, I would hugely, I would say guilt. I think there was a little bit of fear added in there because when you had any type of like bishop's interview, well, the, the bishop was my dad. And so it was like, so if I had any of these experiences or anything, <laughs> like I was supposed to no. go and talk to my dad, right? I know. No, yeah, I know.
0: no, on, no. Was no. Your, were your interviews with your dad?
4: Well, so I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that point. So am uh, on the
0: edge of my fucking chair. <laughs> yeah.
4: So I, um, so growing up, my mom, I remember I was like 12, 13, and my mom had like the most vague sex talk with me. And it was basically that, um, that a male puts their penis in the vagina and like that's basically how you can get pregnant. Like that is the extent of what I was told about what sex was. You I that talk tip? at five. What's that? I said, "I, said, I, I just a tip."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I had that talk at five.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, no five. Yeah, <laughs> five. It like it, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no twelve, I'm, thirteen. I'm still waiting for that talk. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our conversation, and then, like, to give you a little bit of background too, like. I, even like growing up in middle school and in high school, like my, um, of course I, you know, your basketball coach or your volleyball coach was the health teacher. So even in school, like I could, I could leave class. They'd let me go to breakfast or whatever. Like they were super lenient with me. So like, I didn't even really pay attention in health class either. So like my knowledge of sex or even the the male anatomy or even the female anatomy was, So small, so small. I was super naive. Careful how you use that word. (laughs) 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 So my knowledge of it was so small. And so, um, they have a thing where you don't really date people until you were 16. And, um, so I didn't even, and my parents were like, Hey, we'll give you a hundred dollars if you don't kiss any boys until you're 16. So I got my hundred dollars and I didn't have my first kiss until I was 17 years old. <laughs> and I feel like once I hit that, I felt like at the time that like, once I hit that, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> I was like going guilty for feeling like it was any fun, right. you know? And I, um, I had a couple of friends. <laughs> I had these two friends. It's funny because they were twins and, but they didn't know that I was like, we would, there were times that we would like sneak away and we'd just go like to the park and we'd make out in the car. And there was one time that he grabbed my boob and I was, of course, it was over the shirt, you know, like nothing even touched, but totally grabbed it over the boob. And I got home and I just started bawling because I felt like I had done something awful and terrible. And I, at the time, my dad was the bishop and I was like, Oh my, do, am I gonna? Do I have to tell my dad about this? And I felt awful for probably a couple of two or three days. And then there was a point where I was like, there is no way I am going to talk to my dad about this. Like, there's no way. I was like, I will be reprimanded in a way that would have been awful. <laughs> like, I, so no. So I never ended up going and talking to my dad about it, but I continued doing what I was doing you know, for us, it was like, just, we call them make out sessions, but if it was even, you know, considered that per se, but
0: growing up, Jesus is titty.
4: <laughs> 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 it's really funny. So um, that was my experience. And then I love to go dancing and like, I would go with my sister all the time and we would grind on, you know, we would grind on these guys that we would dance with. And I had no idea what an erection was. Like I had no idea what was going on at the moment and stuff when those things would happen. Like, so I say it was very naive when it came to sex. Like I was super naive about it all. And it was awful because I just always felt bad no matter what I did, you know, that it was just, I was doing something terrible.
0: Is dancing for
4: most of my youths
0: one of the things that y'all are not allowed to indulge in. Uh-huh. Really? Yes. So my question about like the kind of youth aspect and dating, like I guess you touched on like you can't date till you're 16. I I'm, I was shocked when you said that because I was like, oh, wow, they even allow that shit. A, <laughs> I would love to know what that kind of a date is supposed to look like in the religion's eyes. Mm-hmm. And B, I'd love to hear from both of you in regards to coming up with that kind of mental fuck from all around, hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I hit puberty, I was fucking, I was nutting all over everything constantly. <laughs> <laughs> this is my mom's JC Funny Magazine. <laughs> same, same brother, same. <laughs> So Victoria's Secret started coming around. Um, but like, what was that fucking like, that has to be the biggest mind fuck because like, did you even indulge in that shit?
3: Yeah, but it was all very, you know, I even looked back, like I had no, no positive sexual um, formative experiences. They were all riddled with um, a lot of guilt. And, um, you know, obviously I'm feeling this desire, like, yes, I want to do this. And, you know, but then as soon as it's over, it was just like, well, fuck, no, I'm not worthy. And now on Sunday, I have to go past the sacrament at church. Mm-hmm. And I know inside that I'm not worthy, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to feel even more guilty. It's just, it's just a shit show. Yeah, it's just a mm-hmm. shit show of unhealthy,
2: yeah.
3: of an unhealthy way to see, um,
0: sexuality. And even when you see myself. Would you feel that way if you, say, had a wet dream? Would you still feel that guilt? Oh, no. I loved wet dreams. (laughs) Me too, man. Me too. (laughs)
2: That
0: was like the, the, thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's Jesus's nut.
1: (laughs) So... uh... Along these lines of, like, things that happen amongst, particularly, I feel like, Mormons, or I forget the long thing that you said we're supposed to call it, but, you know, (laughs) the reformed something. (laughs) Um, Would you, did you guys... um, partake in soaking
3: (laughs) (laughs) all right hold on what the fuck is that (laughs) my dad was a bishop uh, at byu mm -hmm. and i remember him coming home one day like all upset and telling my mom about some of his kids in his ward some of the byu students in his ward had gone to las vegas for the weekend gotten married so they could fuck Mm -hmm. and then went and got it annulled And then came back and one of them felt guilty and confessed. So there's a weird culture Mm -hmm. around this way that they try and work around the rules Mm -hmm. and laws. Right. At these schools. (laughs) One of those is soaking. (laughs) Soaking. I I never soaked. You didn't.
4: Neither (laughs) of you did.
3: Okay. What what Um, was it called? Bed? Oh,
4: jumping, humping. Jumping, jumping, humping. Yeah. So soaking is this
3: idea where (laughs) you put the penis, the P and the V, right? But you don't thrust. You just let it soak. Yeah.
1: Because it was the act of thrusting
3: that yep. was like and the... I ask you in interviews, it's very common when mm-hmm. people are in worthiness interviews, they'll ask, well, did you orgasm? So the goal is to just soak. There's no thrusting. There's no orgasm. Now, <laughs> what's it called again? Jump pumping. Jump pumping where you yeah. do that, but you have someone on the bed
4: like shaking the bed and bouncing
3: the bed. <laughs> you're not
4: thrusting
3: thrusting. (laughs) confirm this on tiktok i promise it'll be entertaining
2: yeah Yeah.
3: this is a weird culture to work around that sort of stuff because at byu you have to pass these worthiness Mm -hmm. interviews to remain a student there
2: oh my gosh
3: yeah so you're being against your because your education is highly subsidized by the church Mm -hmm. they now have this Stiff arm into wow. you know code. so the honor code mm-hmm. and they take that shit seriously. Mm-hmm.
4: Wow,
1: yeah.
3: so yeah, it is. You <laughs> to take a lot seriously. <laughs> your, your, your has to sign off in order for mm-hmm. you to be able to yeah, allow you to continue to, in school every
2: change. year. Yeah.
1: So, did some of these guilty feelings um, surrounding sex kind of fall to the wayside after you guys were? married or is this something that you continue to feel until you left?
4: Um, I don't know that they lasted that long, but I, I remember like our wedding. I I was like, it's so weird that we can walk into this building and that this man can say a few words and then we're supposed to walk out. And I'm all of a sudden supposed to be this like sex goddess. And I'm just supposed to give freely of you when I've been told, like, That this is not okay and so like for me i remember like we even had like a hot tub in our room and like i put on my swimsuit to get in like it was so weird for me (laughs) to be naked around a male like
0: (laughs) my my next question was gonna be like like when you married did you guys just fuck like rabbits
4: (laughs) that's not No, it was. So, a few days uh, later,
0: we did eventually. eventually we we got there,
4: but it was it was so hard for me to wrap my head around it that it was okay. Wow. Okay.
3: My wedding night was the first time another person touched my cock. Yeah. Holy and shit! And when she touched it, that was it. I
4: was done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> man.
4: I was like, what is this? Like, this is what a penis looks like. Like, oh
2: my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Neither. Of I had, us had no uh, idea. I mean,
3: you're uh, not supposed to look at porn. Yeah.
2: You're not. And like I think like
3: that. regular anatomy sort of like blurs that line mm-hmm. between, you know. Uh-huh. And I so, never
4: watched radar shows, even radar movies. Like porn. my dad none never gave that. me the yeah. talk.
3: Yeah. You know, and so we just filled it short up, and I was, like, okay, was like, okay, so <laughs> you know what to do with this, like.
4: I know. Yeah. No, I, no idea. Wow.
3: Has yeah. to figure it out. But, yeah. No. Uh, but it
4: took, yeah
1: talk about instinct though like that 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 to me that part to me is really amazing just that like you never had any really call it formal or informal education in terms of what like sex was and how it was supposed to be and still you I mean, figure my, it out and and you and you do figure it out the the, the reproductive instinct that underlies in like just any animal like at the end of the day like we are we
3: are an animal and there is an instinct to reproduce. That's really, really interesting to me. I think the detrimental, the most detrimental thing to it was that my ideas of intimacy and my ideas of that were all shaped by porn.
1: At that time or yeah. afterward
3: yeah. at that, time. that uh, time. I mean, there's a little bit of porn here and there, but it was never anything like, well, at the time, at the time we'd never considered like <laughs> hardcore porn, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a tough, but like, you know, it's funny how you can,
1: Anyway. I mean it, but I is that, that <laughs> is that
3: different like, from
1: sorry like yeah, is that different from point. most people at that age at twenty one's perception? Like I don't know. That's a good point.
3: That's probably that's probably point, that's probably, yeah. probably not that different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I don't in that
3: regard. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Yeah.
3: I would just say like my expectations of how she was supposed to act. Mm-hmm and how she was supposed to be present during sex, they were not healthy.
1: <sighs> yeah.
3: I, I guess see that. That. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. That might, be, that might be regular across all dudes, but I can only speak to my experience that there was sort of this expectation, like, wait, why aren't you this? And wait, what's wrong? Like, you know, and so there was a lot of these weird things that I think we both mm-hmm. kind of had to figure out and you know, learn to take a step back and be like, that's not real.
0: You know, we're real. Us right now mm-hmm. is real, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I make some pretty similar porn myself. <laughs> well, we do now, it, but it can be real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, <I've>
2: it. <laughs> oh,
1: so, did you guys know anyone else who had left the practice before you did or left Mormonism before you did?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah? I'll, I'll tell this one. We okay. started to really contemplate leaving the church, and that's a whole process is in its own right. Mm-hmm. We Please, had, by all
4: means, like. Yeah.
0: Sorry. What is that process? What is the process?
4: Yeah. Oh, if you want to. oh we're just yeah. yeah. Oh, um. So just vaguely before, like, like we had talked mm-hmm. about how my um my dad eventually got excommunicated and um my mom as well actually and so it kind of there were kind of little things here and there that they would talk about I mean I had tried to be pretty like specific and like hey like you guys leave your you know how you guys feel and your beliefs like to you guys but I was really trying to focus on us and our relationship to like what we wanted and um it kind of worked out perfectly the timing because we had moved out of state so we were away from family and it was like when all that happened. So I felt like we could really focus on us and each other. And so I felt like we'd kind of established like, okay, this is, you know, just because my family has left doesn't mean that I need to leave and that I need to, you know, decide for myself what it is that I wanted or wanted to follow. And so that was kind of there for us, but there would be little things that they would say here and there, you know, like
3: Joseph Smith married a 14 year old girl.
4: Mm-hmm. And his wife, didn't know about them, you know, having intercourse in the in the barn and stuff like that. And um, a little bit here about tithing or about modesty. And like, because when you get married in the temple, you have these undergarments that you have to wear that have sleeves and they go all the way to our knees. And so your clothes have to cover that. And so magic, magic Mormon underwear. Yeah, they call it magic. <laughs> they call it the temple garment. <laughs> the temple garment, yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Like, so we had to wear those. And I know... <laughs> So we wore those, and it was like, oh, you know, like to to wear them. It kind of became a I don't know. Just my sister would like mention little things about modesty and about the the prophet and some of his teachings and stuff. Like just little things that were kind of like,
3: hmm, yeah, that doesn't started to sort of break her foundation. Started to
4: kind of like make me question some things, you know. And it was and it was hard because at the time I was like, I don't want to just be where I'm just following along, you know, with my dad and with my family, you know, I wanted to kind of yeah. figure out for myself what it was that I was feeling or um, had questions about. So that's kind of where it started, at least for me, just little things in my ear that were kind of questioning, but. We
3: can go into we got, so we moved to California and um, our ward there sucked Like a group of people we were with, you know, there's a lot of people that were really stuck up. So we didn't really feel like we fit in there. I think that was important because we didn't feel like we're in other places we'd had a really good community. Um, We've always, I shouldn't say always, but for the last several years, we've been like LGBTQ allies. You know, we've been able to recognize that there's things that the Mormon faith teaches that aren't in alignment with what we would feel as individuals. Yeah, so those things in the Mormon faith, you say you put that on the shelf. You just have faith; God will answer that at one day in due time, and you just keep being your faithful member and pay your tithing, and it'll all work out. You know, especially if you pay. Especially, <laughs> especially <laughs> <at the Mormon. laughs> pay eleven percent; it'll get better. Paper. Yeah, there you go. a little extra credit. <laughs> so, over the years, we just sort of began to have a more and more. I would even say derogatory experience coming home from church. We mm. got to the point where it's like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And it was about that to ourselves. And at that time I began to really get tired of hearing people calling it a cult and people saying things about the church. And i like, that's not, that's not true. Like I, I know, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not feeling true. like you had
1: to constantly defend something that you.
3: Yeah. And so I, I eventually got to the point where it was like, you know, I need to figure this shit out for myself. Because there's a lot of people saying a lot of shit about the history that I'm not aware of. I need to figure it out for myself. So I bought a book called A Rough Stone Rolling. It's written by a guy who's a famous historian who's actually a member of the church. I began to read all these things about the church, and it blew my mind. And in fact, I would, I would even dare say it, it began to like really break my heart. You know, I didn't know that Joseph Smith, this person who, I was, who had enamored my whole life, that he had been dishonest with his wife and you know, married 14 year old girls. And there's all these things that he didn't, that he really translated the book of Mormon with a rock inside of a hat. If you know what that means? Look it up. It's pretty fucking bizarre. Actually, there's a South Park episode <laughs> on it. That's pretty informative. <laughs> 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 but, but it really began to break my heart and, and and there was nowhere that I could go. You couldn't talk to anyone at church about it. Any bishop or any other friend that I tried to talk to, they'd be like, well, are you praying, Mike? Are you reading your scriptures? i like, no, fucking stop and listen to me. Like, My heart is breaking. My whole foundation is beginning to fall apart. And you're going to try and gaslight me? Like, fuck Mm -hmm. you. Don't forget, I'm I'm a little bit elevated about (laughs)
1: it. That absolutely is gaslighting. Yeah,
3: Lonely time where I was really going through a heartbreak. And I couldn't get any answers at church. My parents wouldn't hear it. You know, all this, my whole community was, was very alienating. So long story short, it's not a pity party, but there's a a good ending to all this. Um, We had some friends who had left the church a few years before us who came every now and then now as
1: is that allowed that's allowed like they came back to the church every uh, now they,
3: and then they just showed up every now and then or they, okay. they their kids the church to because so. that's where their friends were so they brought their kids to church and then, that
1: that's uh, accepted and stuff so it's not like leaving uh, like yeah, the it, amish community or something where it's no, like no it's, you're totally exiled like we'll never speak that. to you again
2: <laughs> uh, no geez. okay
1: it's welcome,
3: no
0: welcome <laughs> to anyone church nope, yeah. They'll welcome you with a big-ass smile okay and a basket for your money yeah <laughs> an envelope
3: <laughs> so they we began to share our frustrations with them, and they were very welcoming. We got to the point where we were now having discussions like, well, what would our life look like without the church and um, we we worked through that for probably close to a year. I was so going to ask
1: how long that process took for you for, to kind for, of digest and
3: when we were seriously yeah. contemplating leaving the church, that was probably three or four months, but that process started, started maybe a year, there. year and a half before we stopped. Mm-hmm. So it finally got to the point where we just said, we can't do this in good conscience anymore. And I think it really was a matter of integrity where it was like, I'm expected to teach these 13 kids on Sunday and testify to them mm-hmm. of the truth of the church. Well, I can't do that in good conscience anymore. We got asked to be released from our callings. I was a, I was a scout master with the Boy Scouts of America for almost 13 years because of my association through the church. And she was with the youth for just mm-hmm. as long. And we both just went for our bishop and said, we we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done.
4: Which is kind of a big deal, huh?
3: Big deal. Yeah. For
4: someone to, yeah. like ask to be released from the that was, callings. That yeah. was
3: December, 2018. Mm-hmm.
4: I wow. remember the
3: last, the last day of church, I sat there and I calculated how much time I had spent mm-hmm. In church or in service, oh church, and it, and it was over three years of my awake life. Holy shit! Was wow,
1: of just your stuff. awake life. Wow.
3: Of studying or reading teaching. or serving or teaching. Wow. It was it was in a substantial amount of time, and so I felt betrayed by the church because I was learning very controversial things about its history. That how is it that I'd spent yeah. so much time in service and so and much didn't time know these and didn't know these things? Like it yeah. would seem to me it'd be pretty important that joseph smith was a treasure digger and then he found treasure and started a church based off
0: of it like (laughs) come on you can (laughs) critically think just for a hot second like what i I didn't want to say anything guys
3: (laughs) (laughs) so to the to the answer your question is these friends welcomed us with open arms Mm -hmm. And we found a genuine friendship there. Mm-hmm. They took us out drinking alcohol for, for my like first, first time. Al- well, yeah. I mean, she I had a sips of it, wine right. here and there, but I didn't drink alcohol until the first time I was 35. We mm, yeah. oh, were in California. Right. We smoked weed for the first time yeah. at 35. Yeah, So we would go out and we would go drinking and, and, dancing. and dancing. And it was a it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was things we'd never done before. <laughs> she did a little bit in college, but right, I'd yeah. never done this sort of stuff before. We would... Come back to their house at the end of these nights, and one of them had a pool. We'd get in the hot tub, we'd be drunk, take our swimsuits off, just laughing, swimming around naked, having this great old time and being like, mm-hmm. damn, this is this way is cool. fun. you okay <laughs> with that? Yeah, I was okay with that. Yeah, I was what I was okay with that too. Like, like you know, a little <laughs> drunk kiss here, or there. And it was just like this super exciting thing mm-hmm. that just brought so much life. Wow. It livened up our life a, mm-hmm. a ton to now all of a sudden we're having all these in-depth conversations. Like, it was fucking cool. Yeah. It was really So,
2: cool.
1: like, after you, after you left and you asked to be released, was there ever a feeling of a loss? Or was it just an enlightenment from there on out and, like, never looked back? Like a weight lifted?
4: Well, it was a huge, like, because... That was our community, and right. I think what was hardest was, um, you know, like our kids, like a lot of our kids' friends and stuff were a part of like of church. It wasn't necessarily school, but our community was our church mm-hmm. and our religion. Yeah. And so that I think for us was probably the hardest thing because once we left, you definitely recognize who your real friends really were, and those who would stick by you even though you don't have the same beliefs, you know. And it was very, very few very few people that were pretty lonely that. so it was very lonely yeah, that it sounds part. like
0: starting starting over almost like yeah, absolutely. yeah
4: absolutely was yeah. So, I had I had sort of this bittersweet
3: like, this mm-hmm. breakdown one night yeah. where I recognized that there had never been a major decision in my life that I mm-hmm. had made for myself mm-hmm. wow but every major decision in my life had been influenced directly by either a leader of the church or the church's teachings directly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so it was sort it's of this place where I even sat laying in bed and just thought, I don't even know if I'm an honest person. Because uh. my whole life I've been manipulated to, to be honest out of fear. And that was hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, who the fuck am I? You know, like my whole life has been guided by these really strict, parameters of right and wrong don't worry guys i'm still i'm an honest person but,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you know what i'm saying though that, that, yeah. that literally that structured of a life that now that that had collapsed mm-hmm. and we still had to deconstruct a fuck ton mm-hmm. but i think the the best thing that came out of it was that we were now in a place to be like why are we together mm-hmm. What do you want with the rest of your life? Do you want me to stick around? Do I want, do I, do I even want, do I even like you? Like these (laughs) were real questions. But I say that genuinely because our whole marriage, our whole everything was structured around the parameters that the church had set.
4: Even how we met,
3: even how we met. And so now we're in a position at 35 and 33 to be like, what do you want? Because I'll tell you what I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be like my parents, God bless their souls. They're doing the best they can, but they're not happy. Right. And I and I will not be that. Mm-hmm. I will not be trapped in an unhappy place. No, nobody. Sorry, should. but I, I'll refuse to do it. So we need to figure this shit out and be real with each other. What do you want? Mm-hmm.
0: That's how we approached it from
3: mm-hmm. that point on.
0: Yeah. I gotta say, like it, that was one thing that I almost said in the beginning, like the fact that you guys have come into this together. And then we're able to come out of it together. It seems like you guys are very close and it seems to have worked out in your favors. Um, So I think that's really fucking cool. Like, I think it's probably really fucking rare too.
3: I would would say that
0: for us to go
3: out together and to Mm -hmm. still be together is extraordinarily rare. Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely outliers in the spectrum of it all.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, before we jump into the next part um really quickly i'm assuming sasha that you probably have some sort of decent relationship with your family it sounds like they have left the religion completely so yeah. i assume you guys still have sort of a relationship
4: i do yeah i do feel like i um i do have a somewhat um good relationship to an extent um don't worry yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my siblings and stuff are very, very close with each other, and my mom too. And I, I, I do feel like I have a decent relationship with them. I feel like they're um, understanding. I do think that you know you can leave religion, but I still think that there are some aspects of it that kind of stick with you, you know. Right. And so, so I think there are some aspects that definitely have stuck with them. But for the most part, I feel like I have a pretty decent relationship with my family. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, my parents are
3: preparing to go on a mission
4: yeah
3: they're ultra you know I shout out to my older brother you know he's been a huge Mm -hmm. um support you know he's he's had uh you know my my we'll just say shout out to my older brother huge support (laughs) Uh, my younger brother and then one of my younger sisters I'm I'm the third of seven so there's Mm -hmm. there's um those of us who have left and then those who are still hardcore, but those of us that have left my, my two brothers and my younger sister were pretty, I would say we're the closest within the family. Mm-hmm. That's and, cool. And we, you know, we send each other yeah. funny memes and, you know, like <laughs> stupid shit all the time that mocks the church. And, right. And, but, <laughs> I
0: would, I would but, assume so.
3: <laughs> but the relationship with my parents is just pretty standard. You know, they'll try and call on Sundays and we'll be at out at the gay bar and like, Oh fuck, can't answer that. You know, like, <laughs> or, or or, or other places, you know, (laughs) call them back, you
2: know, Um, and
3: it's, and it's superficial at best. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, my mom was a a big support to my, and my upbringing, but my dad, you know, he's, he's not someone that I, I welcome in my life in a, in a personal way. And I don't, I've learned to set healthy boundaries such that, you know, and it's unfortunate, but it's, about your my happiness. life.
0: If you're not going to help me live my best life, you know, then I don't need you in my life. It takes a very strong and I think very intelligent person to be able to disassociate from a toxic parent, which can sometimes be really hard, especially a lot of those toxic parents have a stranglehold on their children, no matter how old they are and you have to be willing at least from my perspective to you know anything in your life that is not bringing you happiness get it the fuck out of your life it doesn't doesn't matter who it is or what it is like because at the end of the day you're the one that's got to live with your fucking self you know what i mean
4: absolutely (laughs) amen absolutely absolutely
0: you want to add anything miss doctor before we drop this bombshell
4: I, you know,
1: <laughs> I think that like on behalf of both of us and all of the listeners, thank you guys so, so, so much for coming and sharing this story. It was amazing. I have enjoyed this a lot. Um, I think that it's been really meaningful. Um, and
2: very obviously I think
1: that will, yeah, very, very meaningful and very informative. And um, I hope that it can... Give some inspiration to some people out there. I mean, do you guys have anything else that you want to add or any anything that you like hope that the listeners will take away from your story about this in particular, or is that kind of to come?
0: I know well, I know you had said something earlier um, in the chat about shedding light on those who may um, be considering leaving, and I thought what you said was Fucking amazing. And if you want to repeat that, I think that's cool. Like I, I felt that. Like I did. remind <laughs> me what I said.
2: It's He's about, like, I don't remember like, what I it's said
0: about like shedding light, being able to help shed light oh, to yeah, those. Yeah. I I would say this that that
3: fear is an extraordinarily powerful motivator. And so for so many years I I shouldn't say years, but for so many months I was I didn't act because I was afraid. I was afraid of what I would lose. I was afraid of God. I was afraid of, you know, all these, these different things. And, um, I now recognize there was nothing to be afraid of. You know, I I think having the courage to live your life the way that you want to is, is it's tough. Sure. To get that ball rolling. But once it's rolling, there's so much beauty. Oh my God. You're living authentically, you know? And, um, on the I, I would say for those who, who are afraid to leave religion and to leave family, like, and I would mirror what you said, you know, like if people aren't a good influence in your life, then I mean, be smart about it. But at the end of the day, you don't need them in your life. If they're not supporting you and cheering you on, then you need new friends. percent. And, um, you know, I'm not saying lose your friends, be smart about it. Be Tactical. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. But, but there's, um, there's a better way to live. There's a better, more honest way to live. And you know what? If there is a God, you know, I have no fucking problem standing in front of them at the end of the day and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I say yes. that genuinely. I say that yes. genuinely because if there I'll is I'll be right there with you. <laughs> those, of us, those of us who've really suffered in the name of deity and suffered yearning for some form of you know inspiration, like, what the fuck? So until <laughs> then.
0: Have some fun. I mean, (laughs) if I'm ever in front of this god, I'm just gonna be like, what the fuck was that, dude? (laughs) I I woke up for this shit. (laughs) So we're gonna wind this down right quick. Um before I do, I will tell you why we have had these lovely lady and gentlemen on the podcast.
1: You make it. You no. You make it sound like the only reason that we want to hear No, no, it's story not the only reason. next,
0: All I right, love okay. this
1: story.
2: I hold love on. All
0: right, hold episode. on. Hold the fuck up. All right, hold on. It
2: it's was not the only amazing. reason, but
0: we didn't know this when when I was put in contact with them.
1: Okay, touche. This is like a not, whole added bonus episode. This, I will give this, you that. Okay. Yes,
0: this was an added fucking bonus. And there's a reason you all know that this is all based around sex on this podcast. And the reason we were put in touch is because I was looking for two swingers to come on and shed some light upside down pineapples up in this motherfucker. They just happened to be ex-Mormons. So we were like, whoa, wait a minute. Like this is fucking this could be a fucking amazing. So, ladies and gentlemen, I got you by the balls now. (laughs) and in the next episode you're going to learn all about it now i have to warn you guys i have a kind of unique sign off but today i have to do it a little differently oh because i promised them i would oh you don't know what i'm about to do
1: no i don't i'm in the dark here
0: oh i'm sure you know oh okay until next time which will be very fucking interesting Who's a good girl for daddy? Who's a good girl for daddy? Oh, Oh, you're a good girl for daddy. Oh, good good girl. (laughs) You're welcome, motherfuckers.
2: See you next time.
0: Bye.